Say amen. Amen. I am too. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. In 2 Chronicles 34, we're going to take a look this morning at a king who became a king at a very, very young age. And uh, the thing that made him the king that he was and the thing that caused him to get answers to prayer is the thing that we're going to be talking about this, this morning. It's a, it's a quality that's absolutely essential in every one of our lives. And one of, the, one of the reasons why it is so essential is because our God has this quality and he wants us to have it as well. So Second Chronicles chapter 34 is where we're gonna be. Let's all stand together. If your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Second Chronicles 34, and we'll read verses 19 down through verse 27. 19 through 27. Verse 19 says, And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. The law was brought to him, it was written, and uh, hearing that they had trespassed against the law. It says he rent his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the kings, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. And Hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvath, and the, and, uh, the son of uh, Hasra, keeper of the, of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they spake to her uh, to that effect. And she answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the man that sent you to see me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of, of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. And as for the king of Judah, who hath sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall you say unto him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble them, him, thyself, before God, when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also. 
saith the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I ask that you might meet with us this morning in a very special way. I pray, God, that you would uh, give us ears to hear the importance of having a tender heart. Uh, Lord, the whole reason why you listen to this king's petition and why you hearken to the king's prayer had nothing to do with the nation because a nation was an absolute mess. But because the king came with a tender heart, you opened your ears and you bent down and you hearkened to his prayer. Uh, Lord, if there's anything we need today, uh, we're in a country that is a mess, that like Israel during that time was, was, uh, had their back turned against you. Uh, Lord, as a nation, our back is certainly turned against you. But Lord, uh, as individuals, we can have tender hearts and uh, we can get a hold of the ear of God and it is so important that we do. We ask, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts this morning. And uh, Father, I pray that uh, you would give me the power and the, and, the, and the clearness of thought to be able to preach. But Father, push me off to the side. May people not see the preacher this morning. May they clearly see a God who is full of tender mercies. We pray, Father, that, uh, that you would work in hearts. There may be someone here this morning who is not absolutely positive that if they were to die today, that they go to heaven. May they understand that there is a God with full of tender mercies that wants to forgive their sins and give them eternal life today. Bless this time together. Uh, make it profitable in our hearts and minds and in our lives. We pray, Father, that as you speak to us this morning, we'll respond. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. God listens to people when they have a tender heart. And, and the king, King Josiah, uh, came to God and came to God with a tender heart in the middle of a, na a, a time when the nation was totally against God. He, he had the, the word of God written, or excuse me, read to him. And because of that, he, in great sorrow, uh, took his clothes and rent his clothes and showed that, that uh, he was concerned about where they were and where God had told them to be and what God had told them to do as a nation. Um, this, this king, King Josiah, was an unusual king. He became king at the age of eight years old. And according to the first three verses of chapter 34, uh, he sought the Lord, but he, he really didn't get a hold of it until he was about 16 years old. And then at, at the age of 20, he tore down the idols and he tore down the high places. And then at 26, he repaired the temple and, and he found the law of God. And that's, that's when he rent his clothes. But there was a, a real process that he went through because he had a, he had a tender heart toward God. Uh, verse, verse 27, the last verse that we, we read, tells us the reason why God listened to his prayer. Listen to his prayer. It says, Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest his words against this place, 
and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes, and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. So God, God says, listen, just a, a tender heart will get the attention of God. Now, uh, why was it that Josiah was even made king? I mean, you think about that. Can you imagine somebody at eight years old being president of the United States? <laughs> you know, it's just, first of all, it wouldn't, wouldn't be possible. But second of all, uh, even if it was possible, I can't see how that, how that could possibly work. And, and yet, that's what happened to, to Josiah. Uh, go, to, go to 2 Chronicles uh, 33, and look with me in verses 21 through 25. Verse 21 says, uh, Ammon was two and, and 20 years old when he began to reign, and reigned two years in Jerusalem, but he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh his father, for Ammon sacrificed unto all the, the carved images which Manasseh his father had made and served them. Now, Ammon was the father of Josiah. It says, and humbled not himself before the Lord as, as Manasseh his father had humbled himself, but Ammon uh, trespassed more and more, and his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. And the people of the land slew all that, that uh, uh, all them that had conspired against Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. And then you go down to verse 1 of the next chapter and it says that he was eight years old when he became, became king. So that tells us that... Uh, uh, the reason why he became king was because a bunch of people conspired against his father and murdered, in cold blood, murdered his dad. Now you say, yeah, but he was a bad king. Yes, he was a bad king, but he was also a dad. And uh, that little boy had his father murdered. Now if you look in, in verse 1 of chapter 34... It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. This is one of those, those uh, head scratchers. You see this all the way through uh, the, the, um, uh, the scriptures, particularly with the kings, uh, the kings of particularly the kings of Judah, you find that uh, uh, you could have a bad king and he'd produce a good son. You could have a good king and he'd produce a real bad son to be king. Uh, in this case, it, it flipped. And uh, that tells us something. That tells us that Josiah must have had the right response to his dad's murder. He, he, he must have responded properly to the Lord, uh, because he decided to, to try to do, to the best of his ability, that which was right. Uh, evidently, he didn't get mad. Evidently, he didn't get bitter. Evidently, he didn't hold a grudge. Uh, those things were, were, were not mentioned. Those things are, are not present. In other words, uh, he, even at this young age, I'm sure, began to develop a very, very tender heart 
toward others and toward the things of God. If you, if you take your Bibles, turn with me to, uh, keep your finger here, but go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, you know, you look at that. If your father was murdered, wouldn't you feel uh, justified to have any one or maybe all of those together? And yet, that is not the way that Josiah responded. And the Bible says that we're, we're supposed to put all of that stuff away from us. Verse 32, and be ye kind one to another. And here's the word, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so the opposite of being bitter and angry and hard is a tender heart. And tender heart's a soft heart. Tender heart is a forgiving heart. It, and it's based on understanding just how, how good God has been to us. You know, we just, we sang, I don't know if you caught it, but every single song we sang this morning was on Jesus loves me, God loves me, the love of God. Um, you know, uh, I, I know me, you know you. Why is that? that God loves you. It's not because of you. It's because of him. It's because of him. And the more I'm convinced that we grab a hold of just how, how, how good God is and how loving God is and how tender-hearted God is, uh, we'll, we'll have an understanding of why it's so essential for us to be kind and tender-hearted. Um, take your Bibles. And turn with me to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Psalm 25. I want you to look with me down in verse 6. Psalm 25. Psalm 25, verse 6 says, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies. And thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. He's always had them. He always will have them. Uh, you go through the book of, of Psalms, and there's ten different times that the word or words tender mercy shows up, and they're they're uh, used to explain the God whom we serve. Uh, tender heart uh, understands God's mercy. A tender heart is one who has been a recipient. Of, of God's mercy. And for sure, Josiah was, because uh, they could have killed him too. He was the heir, but they, they did not. And his response, as I said, was the right response. He didn't get a bitter heart. He instead developed, as a result of that whole thing, a tender heart. Now, the lack of a tender heart on the other, just like a tender heart uh, was necessary in order for for God to hear the prayer of Josiah. And the reason why he heard his prayer was because he had a tender heart. The lack of a tender heart is what will hinder prayer in our lives and cause prayers not to be answered and not to be heard. Go to, go to uh, Mark 11. Matthew, Mark. 
Mark chapter 11. And in Mark 11, look down with me in verse 25. Mark chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 25. It says, And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Um, if we don't have a tender heart, we'll have an unforgiving heart. If we have an unforgiving heart, God's not going to listen to our prayers. If there's any grudge that you hold against someone, if there's any anger that's in your heart, at the, at the moment you pray that prayer, God is not under obligation to answer that prayer. Uh, when, when we come to God, we need to come to God with a forgiving heart because he has been so forgiving to us. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter chapter 3, look down in verse 7. Speaking to husbands about their relationship with their wives, says, Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, speaking of the wives, giving honor unto, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And it, it basically is saying, have the right heart toward your wife, because if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. Um, a tender heart is absolutely essential in order for prayers to be heard. So what are some things that we can do to develop a tender heart? Um, it is, you know, I, I can't speak for you. I'll speak for myself. It's easy for me to get angry. It's easy for me to get bent out of shape. Uh, it's easy uh, sometimes for me to get uh, agitated. Uh, I need to do some things in my life on a daily basis in order to put that in check and allow my heart to be tenderized by God. And there's, there's some things I think that we can do that will, will help us to develop a tender heart. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 says that uh, in, the, in the day that King, in the year that King Uzziah died, uh, God showed something to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, Isaiah 6. Verses 1 through 5 says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And he cried unto another and said, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the glory of the, of, excuse me, and the posts of the door uh, moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then, I, then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And you drop down to verse 8, 
And it says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Obviously, Isaiah had a tender heart. And uh, when he saw the holiness of God, he immediately saw his own sin. Uh, proud people are not tender-hearted. Humble people are tender-hearted. And uh, uh, when we see our own uncleanness, and we see it clearly, and we also see the holiness of God, it causes us to have a, a tender heart. Look down to verse 5. He says, he says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He came to that conclusion because he saw how holy God was, and that revealed his sin. The same thing happened with Josiah. When the law was read, he realized how high the standard was. He also realized how much they had missed it. And it brought fear into his heart. It brought sorrow into his heart. He rent his clothes uh, because he was, he, 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 again, he had a tender heart toward the things of God. And, and the more we see God as being who he is, we see God as holy, uh, the, the, the more our heart will be, be tender. I believe that understanding the holiness of God and understanding the fact that God does not tolerate sin in our lives i think it really it really develops also the fear of god and that the fear of god and understanding the holiness of god go hand in hand the bible says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge the bible says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom uh, it is the is the foundation stone uh, on which we we build a relationship with god and it, it, it helps us to see just how holy he is. And when we see how holy he is, we see how much we need him because we're not. Another thing that we need to do is not only see God as holy, but focus on our own sins, focus on our own failures, not focus on the, the failures and sins and offenses of others. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 is a classic passage. that deals with the importance of forgiveness, the importance of appreciating mercy. And in Matthew 18, look with me if you would, down in verses 21 down through 20, or 35. Matthew 18. Verse 21 it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? So this whole thing started as a result of a, of a conversation that Peter was having about forgiveness. And, and I, I'm sure when he went to the Lord and, and said seven times, he probably thought he was being very magnanimous about the whole deal. And uh, he says, Well, should I, should I? Should I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until, until seven times, but until seventy 
times seven. Now that's 490. That doesn't mean you start keeping a tally, okay? That's not what it means. What he's saying is he's saying a whole lot more than what you realize. And the, 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 the reason why in the story that we're about to read is because God has forgiven us so much more. Listen, there is nobody that's going to uh, trespass against you, offend you, hurt you, even close to what you have already in your lifetime done to God. Nobody. And, and, and the, the debt we owe him is far greater than any debt that anybody else could possibly owe us. In verse 22, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. For, or, or, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Now understand, he's not asking for it to be forgiven, he's asking for more time. Notice how the, his gracious Lord responds. Verse 27, then the, the, the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. I mean, cleared him. The truth of the matter is he couldn't, because of the, the enormity of that, that debt, he couldn't pay that debt back in a lifetime. And yet his Lord his, his, uh, just went ahead and forgave the entire thing. And verse 28 says, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, which is nothing. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. Now, this is the guy that was just forgiven, saying, pay me that thou owest. And, and his servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And again, he's asking for a little time. And verse 30, and he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Now, the, 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 uh, obviously the man who was forgiven that huge debt didn't really comprehend it. He, didn't, uh, he wasn't thankful for it. He didn't really appreciate it. Uh, he came and asked for time, and instead he had the whole thing removed. 
Then when he came up against someone else who owed him just a, a pittance, really, uh, in, in comparison to what he had owed, he grabbed him by the, by the neck and began to shake him and said, no, you pay me, you pay me now. Uh, you know, th there was a real lack of comprehension of how much he had been forgiven. And, of course, what his Lord wanted him to do was to pass that forgiveness on to the next guy who, who owed him. Well, that's a good, that's a good analogy of, of those of us that have trusted Christ as Savior. Um, you had a debt you couldn't pay. Uh, your debt is sin. You couldn't pay. And uh, Jesus Christ went to the cross and didn't pay for most of it, didn't pay for, for, for a grand, great percentage of it. He paid the whole price. He paid for your past sins, your present sins, your future sins. He paid for all of them. And, and he made that payment on the cross. And when you come to Christ as your Savior and you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I've got, I've got this huge debt I cannot pay. And if, if I die in my sin, Lord, I die and go to hell for all eternity. But I'm turning from my sin, believing on you, trusting you and you alone as my Savior. Uh, I can't do anything to get my sins forgiven except believe on you. And the moment I ask you to save me, you will, Lord, please save me, give me mercy. Well, as soon as you do that, God will give you mercy. He'll give you salvation. He'll, he'll uh, give you forgiveness uh, of all of your sins and give you eternal life. Uh, well, then, then God's saying, listen, uh, you need to understand that you've been forgiven much. Don't focus on the, the, the hurt that someone else has made against you. Focus on the hurt that you've caused God and how that in spite of that, he has forgiven all that. And the more we understand that, the more forgiving we can be to others. How many, how many of you ever just gotten exasperated with people? Let me see your hands. You ever been exasperated with somebody? All right. My hand's up. In fact, both my hands are up. If I could, I'd put my feet up too. Uh, I, I've been very exasperated. But you know what? When I get exasperated, I forget just how much I exasperate God. I forget how much God has forgiven me. You know, there have been days when as a Christian now, as a saved person, my sins are forgiven, I'm on my way to heaven, but I, I need forgiveness on a daily basis in order to maintain fellowship with him. And uh, there have been days when I've gone to him a multitude of times, more than once, about the same stupid thing. Can I tell you something? He's never once told me no when I've asked for forgiveness. Hey, good. You know what? He won't tell you no either. He forgives us over and over and over and over. You know, I, just recently, and I can't remember who it was, but somebody just made comment about, wow, uh, I am so thankful that God is so patient with us. Man, I'm, I'm glad he's just patient with me, period. And that gives me absolutely no excuse for being impatient with others. That gives me no excuse for being unforgiving with others. That really gives me no excuse for being 
irritable with others. Because God over and over and over again has been patient with me and has been patient with you. Um, there were two men that came to pray one day. One was a publican and the other one was a sinner. And the publican ta talked about all the wonderful things that he had done for God. And uh, then uh, said, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not not like this, like this, like this sinner. And um, the sinner prayed and just simply said this. He said, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he smote his breast. Um, he understood who he was. He understood who God was. The other guy did not. And because of that, it came out in his attitude. So we need to focus on our sins and our failures toward God rather than focusing on, on our offenders. And then another thing we can do to develop a tender heart is, is ask for and receive God's mercy. You know, when the, the, this fella in Matthew 18 came to, came to his Lord, he didn't ask him for mercy. And I think, that, I think there's a, that, that's a key item there. Uh, did he get mercy? Yes, he did. But I don't think he, I don't think he grasped the significance of it because he didn't ask for it. And I, I think it's so, so important every single day, every single day of our life, we need to come to God and say, God, be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. Uh, ask God for, for his mercy. Um, Psalm 51 and verse 1 is the, the prayer that David prayed when he had sinned Sinned, sinned against God, but he had sinned in his act with Bathsheba and then the, the taking of the life of her husband. And in Psalm 51, this is his repentant prayer, and he starts right off, I mean, right off the, the, right off the blocks. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Um, when you ask for mercy, you're admitting that you're guilty. When you ask for mercy, you're saying, listen, I'm needy and only you can provide for me. And, and when, we, when, we get that, when we get that prayer answered over and over and over again, that's tenderizer for the heart. That, that's what helps to keep our hearts tender before God. Um, go with me, if you would. Uh, you're in... You're in Matthew, Matthew 18. Keep your finger there and then go with me over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, where we were just a minute ago. Ephesians chapter 4, look down in verse 32 again with me. Ephesians 4, 32. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In other words, because Christ has forgiven you, we need to fully forgive others. Uh, look back over in Matthew 18 and look down in verse uh, 35. So, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. This thing with forgiveness is a big deal with God. And again, looking at the back to the, what we started with, with the life of Josiah, 
Um, that young man had a reason to have a bitter heart. I, he could have hold, held a grudge for the rest of his life. I have no idea where he was when his father was murdered. I don't know if he just heard about it. I don't know if he actually saw it. We, we don't know all the details. But I know that had to be a, a, a traumatic time for him, knowing that his father was killed and taken from him at the age of eight years old. Uh, and, and how he responded to that was absolutely crucial. Um, if you hold bitterness in your heart, uh, you can't have a tender heart from God. And that will absolutely hinder your prayers. And then the, 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 the last thing that we can do to develop a tender heart is to, to, to be able to see God's hand in whatever happens in our life. To be able to uh, get an understanding about why God allows things to come into our lives. Uh, whether it be offenses or whether it be tragedies or whether it be disappointments. Man, you, we have got to see God in everything. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, that's a, that's a you know, fairly easy verse to quote. But I'll tell you what, it'll take a lifetime to wrap around it. It'd take a lifetime to live it. But understand that what, what that verse says is there's no accidents with God, and God is in everything that happens in your life. Um, you look back in the Old Testament. There was, a, there was a young man who was ripped away from his parents. A nation had come down into Israel and had attacked Israel and then defeated Israel and then taken back captives. And uh, this, uh, this young man uh, was made a eunuch uh, when he was taken back. He was taken prisoner and uh, he was kept in a foreign country. He was never to see his parents again, uh, never to see his family again. And yet that young man was mightily used of God. His name was Daniel. And, and, and Daniel uh, did not uh, have a bitter heart. Now, there's, there's nothing specifically that says that that, that, that was, the case, but you read through the book of Daniel and you can see his heart was tender to the things of God. And uh, uh, could he have uh, very easily gotten bitter against those that had been his captives? Absolutely. Absolutely he could have. But he didn't. And because of that, he was able to be used of God. Uh, and the, 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 the reason why was because he responded properly. He, he obviously, and again, there's, there's nothing that's written that says it, but you just look at his life and it's obvious that he did not have uh, bitterness toward his captives, uh, his captors. Uh, uh, there's, there's some things that we need to consider when, when those kind of things, when, when detrimental things, things that we would say were detrimental to us, uh, happen in our lives. We need to look and see and say, okay, what, what is God doing there? 
what, is, what is God trying to accomplish in my life? What are some characteristics that God's trying to develop? Is he trying to develop patience? Is he, I, I can say that every time, every time that something that, that uh, troublesome comes into my life. Uh, it's God's trying to develop patience. Uh, it could be frugality. It could be faith. It could be kindness. It could just be a tender heart. You know, um, we've, we've done this many times. My wife has gotten a piece of meat, and the meat is uh, a little bit cheaper uh, piece of meat. I like chuck steak. I guess one of my favorite, favorite meats. Uh, but it can, has tendency to, to be a little tough at times. And so uh, one of the things that she has done in the past, I don't remember if she's done it here recently, but she's got a big old mallet that uh, has got some, uh, some uh, uh, points on the, on the one side of the mallet. She takes that meat. I, I think she's taken out her frustrations that she's had with her husband probably all these years. But anyway, she's she beating that meat. And uh, you know what? After she's done beating it, we put it on the grill and we eat it. Man, it's good. You know why it's good? Because it's gotten beat. <laughs> it's gotten beat. Uh, you know, if you respond properly to the rough things in life after you've been beat for a while, you'll get tender. You'll get tender. Or you can become stiff-hearted and angry and bitter. But, you know, honestly, the choice is yours. And one of the ways that, that our hearts can really tend toward the, the tender heart is by just seeing God. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the reason why the thing came into your life is because there's chastening in your life, because you're not doing right. You know, again, Josiah, when he, when he saw all the requirements that God had in his word, and he saw where his nation was, man, he got scared. I, I believe he got scared to death. I believe he got sorrowful all at the same time. And he, he got a repentant heart. But again, that all happened because, because he had a tender heart. Um, and, and we need to be able to see God in, in the things that happen in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says, uh, Lest any, any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, uh, suddenly trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Um, why is it that the bitterness springs up? Well, because the grace of God was there for me during that trial, during that difficulty, and I did not avail myself of it. Uh, God had his grace. And you know one of the reasons why sometimes we don't avail ourselves of it? It's because our heart's not tender. We don't have that tender heart, and we come to God and ask him for help. And because our hearts are not tender, he doesn't answer our prayers. Um, how would other people describe you? Would they describe you as, as being a tender-hearted person? Um, is there anyone right now, today, that you harbor bitterness against? Uh, is, is, there, is there a name that I could say? And as soon as I said the name, it would cause a little stir on the inside of you, and not a good one. Uh, that's a, that's a, a sign of bitterness. Uh, is there anybody that you've not fully forgiven? Um, you know, do you, do you realize all the benefits 
that God has given to you? And do you, do you see that you personally are a great recipient of mercy? Um, how do you view the difficulties that uh, you've encountered in your life? Uh, do you look at them as curses or do you look at them as tools that God has used in your life in order to draw you closer to him? The, the, the uh, importance of a tender heart cannot be underestimated. It is so important that our hearts are tender toward him. You know, uh, tender hearts start by a heart trusting Christ as Savior. And, uh, and I, I hope, I hope everyone that's here and also that's watching via the internet uh, this morning, I hope that you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. If not, May I, may I tell you that just like that Lord that fully forgave that man that came to him, he asked for more time. He didn't get time. He got mercy. And, and he got full forgiveness. That's what God wants to give to us. He wants to give us full forgiveness. I, I got that full forgiveness when I was 17 years old. I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell. The only way I could go to heaven was be by trusting Jesus Christ. And him alone is my Savior. I called out to him for mercy. He, he saved my soul. He not only forgave my past sins, he forgave my present sins. And I was 17. He forgave my 30-year-old sins, my 40-year-old sins, my 50-year-old sins, my 60-year-old sins. I hope my 70- and 80-year-old sins. Uh, he, uh, he, he, for, he forgave all of them. When I say hope, I mean I hope I I live so that he, those can be covered. Anyway, uh, uh, the, 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 the fact of the matter is, is that the moment I asked him to save me, he saved me. Have you ever done that? Do you, do you have that assurance that if you die today that you go to heaven? And if you are saved, do you have a tender heart? Or is there something there that needs to be taken care of? Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. I want to ask you a question before we have the invitation this morning. And the first question is, are you saved? Are you absolutely positive if you died today, you go to heaven? Have you been to God for that full forgiveness? Are you absolutely positive if you died today that you go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you know that for sure, I wonder if you would just raise your hand as a testimony to that fact. Testimony to your God to say, Lord, I know for sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven because I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. How many of you be just as honest and say, Pastor, I'm not sure. That's a, or maybe it's Pastor, I know I'm not, but I know I need to be. The beginning of a tender heart is knowing that you have needs. And the beginning of a tender heart is being willing to come to Christ for mercy and forgiveness. But you'd be here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know that for sure. Would you please pray for me? I, wouldn't, I won't point you out. All I'll do is recognize your hand. Uh, I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. But just, just raise your hand. Just say, Pastor, here's my hand. Would you please pray for me? I, I'm not saved, and I know it, and I'm concerned about it. Here's my hand. Pray for, pray for me. All right. You're here this morning, and God has dealt with you specifically during this message about something that's hindering a tender heart. 
And you know that you need to deal with that. And, and you know what? God will deal with that. And I got some good news for you. He'll deal with you very tenderly. Why? Because he's full of tender mercies. Just by lifting up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I've got something that God spoke to my heart about. I need to take care of it. Uh, pray for me, would you? Okay, thank you. I see those hands. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for being so good to us and so, so gracious and so merciful, full of tender mercies and kind. Uh, Lord, I'm thankful for the salvation that is available to us through Jesus Christ. I am thankful that you delivered that to me as a 17-year-old. And Lord, we've got folks in this sanctuary this morning that at various ages trusted you as Savior. Lord, there may be someone, though no hands went up. There could be someone here that's still not gotten that issue settled in their life. I pray, God, that you would work on their hearts. I pray, Father, that you'd help them to see that there's a loving God that wants to be the remedy for their sin. And there's a loving God that left heaven, came down and gave himself so that they could have forgiveness. And I pray today would be the day of that forgiveness and their salvation. I pray, Lord, for those that raised their hands, said that, uh, indicated that you were dealing with their hearts about some things. And there were some things that you revealed. Lord, I pray that, that they would, uh, during this invitation time, take care of those things. Uh, Lord, I know this, your grace is sufficient, and I know your grace is there. Uh, you've made it available. I pray that there isn't one person that raised their hand that would fail of the grace of God, that they would avail themselves of that grace, that power, that strength, and get the victory in their lives. We pray, Father, that you'd bless this invitation, have your will, and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed.